Rusty Quill presents. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the lovely dark. In this episode, we meet Nathan whose insistence on being a great artist has led him now to a life-or-death quandary, and to survive, he'll have to discover the truth of what he is. This is Just Beyond, and the writer is Patrick Lillis. beautiful up here. I love it. I do. But I don't want to live here in New Paltz. I mean, I do. Someday. But not next month. I mean, if I go down and sign this contract, that's it. That's it. I'm here. Then who the hell am I? A townie. Worse. Faculty. Jesus, I didn't call Stonebeck for a teaching job. I was asking him to reach out to his publisher for me. He's supposed to inspire us, like he did in class. Quote Fitzgerald, It's never too late or too early to be whoever you want to be. You can change or stay the same. There are no rules to this thing. Change stay the same. That's it. 
I'm changing. I am changing. Changing. How? How? Okay, fuck it. I am going to jump into this waterfall. That's what Priya said. Try something different. That's different. For me. If I can do that, I can do anything. I don't have to settle. Okay. I'm going to show Stonebeck and Priya and me. Me, really. That I am still willing to do whatever it takes to get published. To stay in New York. I am going to be in the conversation with the greats. A Fitzgerald, Hemingway, Mailer. Not, uh, who's that guy? He teaches. It's nice to be comfortable. But comfortable isn't alive. Right, Fitzy? Look at you. You left New York, went to Hollywood. That's what killed you, right? I mean, this place isn't Hollywood. No, it's not. It's not Hollywood. It's nowhere. Okay. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna jump. Listen to that. That can't just be water hitting water. There's no way to know if there's a rock underneath there or not. Whitaker said, kids jump in all the time. It has to be safe. Well, kids can jump. They're more pliable. If a kid breaks his leg on a rock, it'll heal faster. It'll heal. I'm fucking 48. I'm not gonna heal. I'm gonna break my back and wash up on the rocks like a beach seal that has to be pushed back into the water by a family of tourists. Who, by the way, won't be here until spring. I'll just lay there rotting the entire school year, waiting for some sophomore with no fear to come up here to dive in as they prepare to change the world. You know what? Fuck that. I'm gonna change the world. No rules. Right, Fitzy? One. Two. Three. I don't care about the waterfall. I always like just walking up here. Overlooking the valley. Fantasizing about being a novelist. With short stories optioned for films. Building a second home on the other side of the mountain. Not coming back to my college town to teach. Nobody dreams that. Okay, I get it. I have to stop dreaming and do something. I'll do something. I am doing something. This is all Whitaker's fault. If I didn't come up here with him last year on that damn hike, none of this would have happened. The only reason he invited me was that he didn't want to be alone with Annie and her new friend. I don't know how people make new friends as adults, but Annie does. She'll talk to anybody. And Priya? Priya can talk with anyone about anything. They were taking a day trip from the city to go hiking in New Paltz, and Wit said he needed me there because the two of them would talk nonstop. <laughs> and it was true. The entire two-hour drive, Annie and Priya were in the back seat talking about 37 different things at once. One minute, they're talking running, then Leonard Cohen, 
then Cardi B, then what types of trees are growing along the highway. Annie and Priya talk the whole six-mile hike, too. Wit and I bullshitted about college, occasionally taking pot shots at a former classmate of ours, Joel Fendelstein, who's an idiot. Wit and I didn't actually talk about him. Just when we saw something that was really stupid, like a battery-operated scooter on a hiking trail, one of us would say, Fucking Joel Fendelstein. Wit and I were going to be the next F. Scott Fitzgeralds. Now, Wit teaches high school English and I'm... Well... Here. Either settling... Or jumping. I don't even know how jumping into the waterfall got to be a thing. All I remember is, we finished our hike, we got to the top, I was a little out of breath. Wit, who loves playing tour guide, started to point out some place in town that we drove by that you can almost see. Almost because there are layers and layers of trees that hide anything that isn't four stories high. And the only thing that high is Faculty Tower, a beacon that no one cares about. When Wit turns to Priya, her and Annie are both staring at the waterfall. Well, I assume they were staring at the waterfall. About 20 feet to the left of us, there were three college dudes with their shirts off, and before I could even focus on them, they each, one after the other, jumped off the cliff into the waterfall. Priya starts laughing and clapping. Annie smiles at her and then kicks off her boots, tears off her hoodie from around her waist and runs and jumps over the edge. And before I could fully appreciate the insanity I just witnessed, Priya is soaring in the air, her arms outstretched embracing as much of the sky as she can. I turn to Wit, expecting that he'll be terrified that this may be the last time he'll ever see his wife, and he's sitting on the ground, untying his boots. You're not serious. Dude, kids jump in all the time. It's got to be safe. And then he walks to the edge, looks down. He doesn't look back. I hear a squeal as he leaps out about 10 feet away from the edge, his arms flailing in tiny circles about 100 miles an hour, as if hoping they could act as a propeller and slow his demise. I picked up the six shoes and socks, three hoodies, two t-shirts, and an errant pair of shorts. I hadn't noticed that anyone had taken off their shorts before they jumped. I walked down the hill, carrying the laundry. I laid out all their clothes in the sun on the rocks for whenever they were ready to leave the exhilaration and admiration of the three college dudes. I think Wit enjoyed the attention the most. The waterfall is nice. It is. But... I just wanted to be on top a little longer. I was probably thinking about that while Priya got out of the water because I didn't even notice her until... Thanks for bringing our clothes. As she hoisted up her shorts. Why didn't you jump? I like to walk. When the four of us hiked back to town, Annie and Wit held hands and... Priya shined all of her attention on me. She asked about the novel I just finished, the class I teach at the new school. 
She asked Wit what I was like in college. Thankfully, all he said was he never had to jump off of a cliff to get anyone's attention. You know, he was right. I don't have to do this. I don't have to jump into a waterfall to prove anything. Or sign the contract. My unwillingness to play the game is what has always got people interested in me. It's what got Priya's attention. That's why she texted me the very next weekend after that hike. Going for a walk. Wanna join me? Our first date. We walked in the bird sanctuary at Central Park. It's not a cliff dive. It's where you can hear each other. Your thoughts. I love that place. I've gone there almost every day after my midday meeting for the past seven years. I didn't tell Priya I was sober on our first walk. All I said was, it's one of my favorite places in the city. It allows me to filter out the chaos. She said she agreed. She discovered it when she worked at the Central Park Conservancy. She left that job to be second in charge of fundraising at the Met. She told me she liked the opportunity of being outdoors with her donors more. The only reason she left was because she wanted to grow her career, and if she stayed in the park system, she'd eventually have to leave New York. I told her, I get it. Leaving New York is a step down. No matter where you're going, it's a long step down. Plus, it's our home. Priya said, You need a home that allows you to grow to your full potential, and when you outgrow that, you find another one. Nobody outgrows New York. The city might outgrow you, but you never get bigger than it. Except for certain moments. Like that day. Sitting in the sanctuary with Priya, the city seemed to shrink to our size. We sat on a bench under a canopy of branches and just listened to the birds. There's one bird that sounds like it's saying, Come here, birdie, birdie, birdie. I liked that its mating call is the equivalent of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. She said it was a northern cardinal. They're very popular in the park, but really rare to still be mating that late in the spring. She can literally talk about anything. We can only imagine how good she is at raising money. Priya made me feel proud about the ways I paced together a living as a writer. She was impressed that I had more than a few short stories published, two in The New Yorker, one in Harper's, and that I'm a freelance editor. She's the first person who didn't say, why don't you become a full-time editor? So why is she encouraging me to do this, to move out of the city? She said that she appreciates that I'm able to live a life as an artist. That's fucking hard to do. Comes with a lot of sacrifices. That's the thing when you meet someone halfway through your life. They have no idea how you got there. And you don't want to explain every detail of your journey. It's like talking about something you're writing. I don't talk about my writing with anyone. It's too personal. Okay. 
I talk about it with Priya, but it's, like, almost by accident. We'll see a statue in the park of a Civil War hero and start to talk about what makes someone a hero. And all of a sudden, I'll start talking about a theme I'm exploring, and she will effortlessly reference how another author explored a similar idea but didn't quite capture it. Like, if Melville wanted Billy Budd to represent someone that was truly incorruptible, he wouldn't need him to inspire violence, right? She's not reading Melville currently. She can just pull that out of thin air. Talking to her makes me feel alive. And not alone. Plus, she has the endearing habit when she says something incredibly insightful of finishing her observation with, right? Always asked in a way that implies we both agree, and yet with an invitation to challenge her. She makes it safe to be yourself. And letting me know that another writer didn't quite get it lets me know she thinks I can. I'm a better writer because of her. And a better teacher. I'm more willing to share about the process, letting my students know that the greats struggle just like they do, just like I do, and that confronting that struggle is what gets you to the other side. That's what I was telling my students that day when Priya came to class. And from the back of the room, she says, It's work. Like any job, it doesn't have to be a struggle, right? Most nights when she comes downtown to meet me after class, we get a cup of chai, walk to the far west side, down to the water and sit on the pier. Most nights, I just want to sit and listen to her as the sun sets. However, that night we didn't sit. We stood on the edge of the pier suspended over the Hudson. I was still on fire going on about how it's not like any other job. And when I paused, she put her hand flat on the middle of my chest and said, yes, the personal investigation is the job. That's the work of the writer, right? Yes, but... And then, for the first time in our year of walking and talking, she interrupted me. But you're invested in it being a struggle. It wasn't a fight. It was a statement. I'm not invested in the struggle. I'm not. I might be. After she left, I sat on the pier and watched a trapeze class that was happening a hundred yards from where we were. Each student grabbed the bar and let it pull them into the air. As they were swinging back and forth, they flipped upside down, letting their arms hang, and someone on the other trapeze would grab them by the wrist, and they'd let go and fly. If I jump, what am I going to be inspired to do differently? Seriously, I have done everything I know how to do to get my novel published. I mean, I wrote to the editors of The New Yorker and Harper's. I even reached out to Joel Feldenstein. 
six months and nothing. I did get it read and analyzed by a very critical group, Wit's sophomore English class. The novel has cigarettes, drinking, and masturbation in it. In their words, it's so real. Not my reality, just the depiction of what the world feels like when everything you want is just out of reach, or what it is to be 15. After the adoration comes the question, where can I buy your other books? The day after Wit's class, Priya and I met for our midday walk. It was as if nothing had changed over the past year. We sat in the stillness. Then, she burst the silence with, You should do it! Teach! In New Paltz! In the middle of the sanctuary, she jumped up and lit into the most passionate sales pitch I've ever experienced. Her eyes were wide, but not wild, just laser-focused on me. And she was clear, direct, and with a beaming smile the entire time, as if the potential for my happiness gave her pure joy, pointing out that my favorite thing to do in New York is to walk in the quietest places, that I love to write and teach all things I could do in New Paltz. That's not who I am. It might be, she says. And with her fucking hand on my wrist, gently, not even gripping it, assuring me that she wants to be with me, all of me, she brings up the waterfall. I remind her, I like to walk. Yes, you do, but we walk six miles to the top of that mountain. Try a different path. Before I could even argue the ridiculousness of that statement, she said, don't be afraid of change. Change? I've changed. Fundamentally. I'm sober. Seven years. Sober. I am not afraid of change. She responds, Saving your life is different than living your life. I don't think she gets it. Writing saved my life. Before sobriety. Before her. It is who I am. And everything I do is to protect that part of me. The writer. It is all that matters. I can't give up. My community. My apartment. My city. My entire identity. Fuck. So if I have to jump off of a cliff to be able to keep that part of me alive, if I have to jump to prove... To prove... What? That I'm good enough? That I belong? If I have to jump... If I... I better walk down this mountain and sign that contract. Yeah. Okay. Here I go. I don't know where this path leads, but I am on it.
This episode of The Lovely Dark was just beyond. Written by Patrick Lillis and performed by Sidney Williams. Produced and directed by Charles Goforth. Just Beyond was edited, mixed, and mastered by Nick Long. Tyler Whitlatch of Plunk Productions was our line editor. And music is by Andre Fratto. William Brandt is our executive producer. Follow us so you don't miss new episodes. And we'll see you again in the lovely dark. <laughs>